one of the most premium brands to come out of the country, especially in the health tech space over the last couple of years, has been Ultra Human. I mean, I see people at parties where they wear this Ultra Human patch and it is that Apple-like status that it has achieved, which really fascinates me. How do you build a brand like that? How do you build a brand that is truly that premium? How do you build a health tech company? Why build a health tech company in the first place? All these questions I had, how Ultra Human is functioning in the back end, what they are releasing next. We might have spilled some beans on the show, but this was a really, really interesting episode with the founder of Ultra Human. Highly recommended for everybody who's interested in entrepreneurship, but also health. We really discussed Mohit, really dived deeper into the specifics of health. Some really interesting stories about his life as well. I didn't know his life was so fascinating. He has been an entrepreneur before. Zomato acquired his company and then he was working at Zomato for some time and then he started up again. That zeal to start up again, even though you might have a very, very good package, takes a lot of guts. And that is what we discussed in today's episode. I hope you like it. Hello, Mohit. Welcome to the Front Seat Show. So, so excited to, to have you here. Uh, I see like ultra-human branding everywhere. The ring, the, the tracker, the, the t-shirt. It's yeah. very exciting to, to see the kind of brand you've built. And of course, we'll, we'll come to the specifics. But you know, I was looking at your journey that um, you first started a startup and then you moved to Zomato. Zomato acquired it, correct? Yeah, yeah. That happened in 2017. Correct. So Zomato acquired the startup and then you start up again. I'm very intrigued to know, uh, firstly, like Zomato was a, you know, a food tech startup and then again health tech. Yeah, did you like order a lot from Zomato that you were like, I have to build a fitness product now and, and fix everybody. But like, I mean, jokes apart, I, you know, let's, I want to dive straight into the journey because startup is a very different beast altogether. And then Zomato right. was no more a startup at that point, right? Like it has... It had systems built in. Yeah. And then from systems built in, you moved to, again, starting up, which is like building the systems ground up, hiring the core team ground up. How was that transition like and what made you take that transition? I think a little bit of backstory on that. So, mm. Zomato happened in 2017 and Runner, the company that got acquired by Zomato, yeah. our company, uh, we started that in 2015, somewhere around early 2015. I think back then, the, the reason why we started was we saw the problem in the delivery space that uh, every every merchant in India would need a logistics service which is real-time and instant in nature yeah and that's what Zomato saw that can this service be utilized for the food delivery platform and the transition was extremely seamless initially right because Zomato was a demand generation platform did not have fulfillment and we were a fulfillment platform we did not have demand unfortunately so um, uh, it was a plus B um, which was uh, really cool because Sort of like the combined exponential effect of synergy pretty much existed, right? It wasn't like there were many overlaps or um, essentially a lot of uh, like who does what essentially, right? Mm. Back then. Back then. Uh, incidentally, uh, delivery was also a new business for Zomato. Right. Uh, very new business for Zomato because Zomato back then was doing a, uh, you can say a third party fulfilled or restaurant fulfilled delivery business, which was... I'll send an order to the restaurant and the restaurant will figure out how to deliver the how to the user, right? Yeah. It's a very different experience compared to if you have your own delivery uh, fleet, your own fulfillment, essentially, right? So when we started building the delivery business with Zomato, it almost felt like version two of the journey, but almost starting from scratch. Um, Interesting. And, uh, but of course, we had more ammunition. Uh, I think a few months out, we raised a mega round together. So that gave us more ammunition. And then, of course, uh, back then, Swiggy was leading the market. Um, yeah. um, and uh, they were sort of like widening the gap uh, in 2017. But I think uh, to Zomato's credits, I think uh, Zomato's credit essentially, um, Zomato caught up like very, very, very fast. Like I haven't seen anything grow as fast as any anywhere in the world. Like uh, this is this is my second. This was, that was my second hyper growth journey. The first was with Ola, and mm. then was Zomato. I I thought that Ola is a crazy place to be at. Uh, given competitive synergies, I mean, com competitive dynamics with Uber. Right. But then this was, you can say, 100x. What, what worked for Zomato? Like you're saying the hyper growth journey. Yeah. And you've not seen anything scale this fast. Something must have worked for them. What was that What was the thing that worked? I think many things, but I think ultimately it boiled down to the underdog spirit. That mm. we are the underdog in this space. And uh, to to their credit, essentially in this case, to go from a large company and to believe like that I am the underdog uh, requires you to actually build like a 
very strong you can say uh, very very flexible ego right to some yeah. extent right say because if you if you run a large company and your co- company is already worth a billion dollars you will never basically approach a problem from ground from day one and basically say that oh um, i'm already running a large company and correct i'll probably like let this be run by somebody else and uh, not think a fresh and from from first principles i think to dipinder's credit i think he was uh, extremely entrepreneurial in terms of and uh, very very you can say um, he sort of like took this initiative in, in terms of saying that let's uh, let's let's think of this as day zero and mm. let's let's build it like we are the underdogs and we were the nice. underdogs as well so i think that that gives you a lot of motivation also to to fight through the systems that are already in place by let's say traditional companies or traditional yeah. systems yeah makes I sense mean, think of it rocky balboa 100 times over right i mean every week <laughs> uh that uh, we had a bunch of cities where yeah. we were losing volume losing market share initially and then we realized that oh this is how i mean we have less resources we have a lower base of users um and when we started we actually didn't have as much money as well as even as a combined group but then uh, it's phenomenal how um I, i i i have faint memories of some of those weeks uh where we were doubling every week right and um uh it almost feels like a decision journey now because like uh there were there were so many moving levers back then because uh like you we didn't have the team set up we didn't have systems in place yeah but then just for the sheer uh understanding that uh, what is required is this great customer experience and everything else is just back end work right mm. um so i think that that helped us um quite a fair bit yeah that's really interesting because uh uh after that you started ultra human right and ultra human i, I want to talk a lot about it and and of course i have very specific question but i want to know what was this transition like and what what led you to start ultra human when things were going so well and when you were probably like growing at this crazy pace right it's very hard to exit a startup when you're in the middle of let's say that blitz yeah. scale journey yeah yeah so what made you exit and start like a new company altogether because this is a very different place from blitz scaling to fundamentals like yeah. starting a company from ground up yeah. what was that journey like so not mincing words right so mm. i think uh, the the reason why i started up again was because uh, uh, i always wanted to create something that i own completely right mm. it's not about equity ownership it's about uh, decision making of uh, you can say uh, the vision uh, basically mm. you should feel extremely strongly about it yeah. right and i can say that for 5 years i felt extremely strongly about the delivery potential and the uh, the business that zomato was building like and we were building initially and then zomato was building together yeah. essentially i felt very very strongly and i had 100% of that of being of, like being a part of my life uh, not not even like you can say 90% something like uh, this and 10% something else i didn't believe in anything else I, i i used to like madly believe that this is the only company in india that's actually going to win yeah. given the amount of consumer love and scale i think that uh, conviction uh, there's this very interesting article by sam altman i don't know if you've read that it is that you have to have self belief to the point it becomes delusion if you want to it was like, very delusional target. like yeah. to some extent we would evaluate uh, global delivery companies uh, and commerce companies in india and i'm not saying this in an egoistic when we used to say that look look uh, all of these are going to be replaced by instant <laughs> delivery companies and we are going to win yeah right all these guys are archaic don't stand a chance Correct. and we know how to win from being nothing to being like very large so no like there are not many companies that can actually do that correct so that was my belief till you can say july 2019 <laughs> right and then it switched like no i i want to do something else in life because mm. there was something growing in the back end in the in the subconscious right i was saying that i uh, wasn't to semi professional and to some extent professional cycling 2010 11 12 and uh, just after college Hmm. uh it is an interesting thing to do because i had a lot of time okay right uh, i was working in a company where i think back then uh, there wasn't a lot of work uh, which is really cool uh, and uh, it was very easy to outperform basically just putting it out there <laughs> which company is this uh you can look it up on linkedin but uh, <laughs> it was very easy to basically uh, just hit your targets and like, okay. d- i was a software engineer so essentially i used to interesting like code for 3 days continuously no hmm. sleep and then basically say that like my work is done like okay. i need four like four days of my week are like completely empty and if there is no work i'll go and chill so what i used to do this was this is which year 2010 2010 yeah so what i did was i created sort of like like a three day work week for myself 
by uh, <laughs> putting all the work in first three days yeah. and the rest four days essentially just doing whatever I wanted. And what I did was essentially I got into cycling big time right. um, and did all the professional formats, etc. And that's what I enjoyed for a long, long time. Um, till obviously Ola happened and then uh, when Ola happened, that was like the new love in life. And um, uh, obviously the problem was really interesting and all of that. Uh, then obviously my own startup happened and then Zomato happened. So what happened was that I really enjoyed those three years and yeah. I had like a distant memory of the first fling and I was okay. like, maybe it's time to go back to the first fling. Interesting. Uh, and uh, what I picked up along the years was um, another sporting format called uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is okay. essentially, uh, it's, a, it's called ground wrestling if you know about it. So, uh, so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the way it works is and I'll have to spend a minute talking about it because I'm really, okay. I feel really passionate about, about <laughs> it is that. Go for it. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a martial art, but it's okay. martial art built for the modern world. The, the, base, the basic way to understand Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that if a strong person and a weak person fights and nobody wins, then who wins? The weak person, right, in this case. Uh, mm. So it's basically designed for, uh, for survival and uh, it's designed for self-defense. But obviously, anything that has self-defense can be used to attack as well. That's such an interesting analogy in, in any scenario that if a weak and a strong person fights and nobody wins, the, the weak one wins. It's, it's damn, sorry, damn fascinating, brother. But so, so from there to, like, were you very, were you very clear that uh, in Ultra Human, I would want to do like a hardware ring or, you know, the continuous glucose tracker or like all these things or how did it start? So it started in 2020, early 2020 when I, to sort of like after Zomato, uh, mm. I didn't have any ideas. And uh, what I did was I locked myself in a room and said, idea, right? <laughs> like everyone else. Uh, okay. <laughs> idea, no idea came to me essentially, right? Obviously. Right. Some ideas came, uh, yeah. very, very shitty ones, some of okay. these. How uh, do you know if an idea is shitty? You can only know in retrospect. Of course. And sometimes it doesn't turn out to be shitty as well. Yeah. So the first idea that we were, Vatsal and I used to discuss a lot of ideas and well, these were like building like a really cool version of Zoom because Zoom is boring. Mm. So let's build like a really fun version of Zoom. <laughs> um, this is pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it would have turned out, but most probably would have turned out to be shit. Basically, um, okay. and then there were many such ideas and what we were trying to do was to think that, oh, what's working in the world and let's do that hmm. and maybe create like a creative version, uh, our take on that part of what the world needs, right? Okay. Uh, but at the end of each of these conversations, when we, used to, when we used to have like these three, four hour calls, we used to actually talk about like, oh, what's happening in the health and fitness phase? How is it going at a training camp? I was training at a training camp, so there's a story around that and uh, realized that Maybe it's the right time to uh, marry that to what I want to do, what we want to do in life. Hmm. And maybe there is a way to build a business around it. Interesting. We didn't know whether there was a business opportunity or not. Right. Um, Abhilash was telling me that initially you also had these um, guided meditation, like uh, sounds yeah. and all of those things, yes. uh, workout plans, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then from there to a hardware. So the story is that uh, uh, so I was training at a martial arts camp. Hmm. The name of the camp is Tiger Muay Thai. It's uh, it's based in Thailand, and essentially there are so there on one side there's there are mountains, on the other side there are, there's a beach, and you just basically run up the mountain every morning and wow. uh, train closer to the beach and then chill at the beach. So I did that for like four months, four and a half months, um, and we used to talk about like what's going to happen in health in the future, right? Human health is a complex topic. Everybody Correct. has an opinion on it. So what's going to happen? And we had two fundamental, uh, you can say, uh, thought pointers around it. The first one was that people want to learn from the best people in the world um, in terms of what their protocols are. And second is people want to know more about their own body. So hmm. protocols are essentially by coaches and uh, knowing more about your own body is data. Correct. Get more data, you can, you can make informed decisions. Correct. So the first part is what we build first, which is basically how do people get access to Data. Uh, to, no, to basically what the best people in the world are doing. Okay, interesting. So best in, people in the world meditate, best people in the world, uh, world essentially do strength training and they have their own complex protocol. Can we bring all of that to the platform? Interesting. Right. So that's what we did for almost a an year. And we also started building the layers of data on top of it to build the next side of, you can say, the platform. Okay. Uh, what we realized was that the data bit is really interesting because uh, it gives you infinite customizability. Because okay. you can learn from the best person in the world in terms of uh, their protocol, but can mm. you actually implement it? The answer is 
interesting because for, for every person like that it'll be different right like what works for me yeah. will not work for you it's because our uh, i mean biologically we are different but also correct. our lifestyle is very different correct if i have to sleep at 2 am every day um if you ask me to sleep at 11 pm uh, that might be an answer but that not, might not be a sustainable answer mm. because my lifestyle is built around sleeping at 2 am correct so how do i with those constraints still end up being a healthy person so that was the core hypothesis around data and we started testing out different variables data that could be derived two biomarkers stood out for us one was heart rate variability and second was uh, blood glucose right so biomarker is what you're wearing can we this is the uh, blood glucose the biomarker. biomarker interesting um, and uh, glucose was really what all is it tracking like very very simply layman language put if i put it here what all is it tracking so blood glucose uh, i mean glucose is the primary biomarker that it tracks interesting. glucose is an interesting biomarker because it's uh, used by every cell of your body right mm. and the way glucose gets used inside the body in a very very simple layman terms tells a lot about your health right not just in diabetic people but also in everybody else essentially right because it's a like if you can look at an engine of a car and say that oh this is how the engine uses fuel even before the engine has become faulty you can do a lot of deep engine diagnosis similar concept here as well right so you can look at the zone of your glucose and tell that oh this is how your body is able to process glucose means that this is the state of your insulin resistance to some extent and insulin is an interesting hormone as we know because insulin the the lack of insulin creates basically is re- reflected into autoimmune disorders Correct. the excess of insulin is sort of like reflected in uh, metabolic disorders etc right so mm. um, that's that was the core hypothesis what we found interesting about glucose was that it can give you feedback on your food side of your lifestyle everything else like if you have an activity tracker um, that measures your steps calories etc is telling you to be more active or to optimize your activity but then a large part of our health is also food correct right what we eat uh, determines a lot of our outcome right and to be accurate exercise is probably one of the most inefficient ways to actually get healthy uh because of the fact that like you cannot out on a bad diet you cannot basically burn all the excess calories that you have consumed via food right uh somebody was telling me that to burn half an half an oreo cookie you have to run 32 flights of stairs right wow um so it i mean if you look at the um the if you apply the principles of leverage there hmm. uh both of these have to go hand Food in hand it becomes a big part of it and then you can track that through glucose yeah. and what about the ring right like you're wearing the ring yeah. as well yeah now after that what made you then in- introduce another vertical right yeah uh, what is it doing differently than let's say what the bio tracker was doing so if you look at glucose right uh, and let's say uh, you you uh, you consume something and there's a glucose response if if that if that something if that food item has uh, like higher amounts of sugar in it so you'll see a spike in your food right mm, correct now this spike is going to be different for you and me why because biologically we are different we have different muscle mass we have different microbiome we have different stress levels uh we have different sleep routines we have different yeah. hydration levels all of these factors affect your glucose response interesting as much as up to 40 to 50% right this is what we have seen in our own internal data as well so does that really mean that only food is the culprit or basically just by changing your food uh you will be able to change your lifestyle yeah. that was an evolution in our hypothesis that if you if you ask somebody to get healthy and you say that oh this is what you should be eating and then this is what you should not be eating obviously the not to be eaten stuff turns out to be the more you can say lucrative stuff usually correct right? and then it becomes like a downward spiral why does it become like a downward spiral because when a unhealthy person decides to become healthy they are uh, they have they are unhealthy from a state of the body perspective and they have good levels of dopamine secretion in their body because they're consuming food that they like they're consuming okay. the type of food that they like from that you temporarily move people to let's say an unhealthy state because body takes time to change and but dopamine deficient so that is like the very ter- like extremely terrible state of transition right so when you start working out and start eating healthy you're like suddenly de- like basically you're extremely sad in your life because your body hasn't changed and all yeah. the dopamine in your life is gone right but isn't a uh, gym like doesn't gym also induce dopamine in you it's a good question because certain type of workouts do um and i mean dopamine is essentially like a you know all these hormones work together really well dopamine serotonin 
epinephrine, all of these. And uh, the core concept is that the more one produces, um, the more resistant you could be of that. So for example, if you have more elements in your lifestyle, Correct. it give you dopamine. It happens with drugs, right? Like once you increase that threshold, yeah. now other things which which earlier used to work were inducing these yeah. hormones, now they're not anymore because your yeah. threshold has become really high. So more than dopamine, you can say epinephrine. Hmm. Uh, that that gets released and makes you feel really good, okay. uh, and and dopamine of of course you get from all auditory, visual senses, uh, sugars that you consume, right? Everything that evolution has sort of like designed you for that this is good for you. And to be honest, for survival these things are good. Like hmm. easy rewards are good. Correct. Um, to coming back to your point, exercise can actually help you uh, put on the path where you actually get faster dopamine. Right? This is what exercise were actually for. Physical activity, like ancient humans didn't exercise per se, right? They were hunting in many cases. Or right. they were doing agriculture, right? And they used to put in effort to extract food which used to give them dopamine. Mm. So we're still chasing dopamine as a human being, no matter what self-control Slightly you different way. In a slightly different way. But then the core biology, right? We have not evolved, we have not evolved over the last 20 years, right? Biologically, as much. If you design a system and say that, oh, everyone should exercise and eat healthy, now that's a very, 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 very restrictive system. That's not going to happen for a lot of people. Correct. Reason for that is, it's not just our modern lifestyle, but okay. that's not how we have designed. Like biologically, we are not designed like that. We are designed to chase rewards. Rewards, right? Correct. Designed to chase rewards. Nobody can change that. The core biological aspect. Like you, you cannot say that. Oh, in atmosphere you have oxygen, but let's replace it with a new molecule. That's not. That's not going to happen. Correct. Right. Uh, similarly. We are not changing rewards here. We're just sort of what we're doing is essentially we're making minimal changes in terms of how you seek rewards. And that's mm -hmm. why the ring came into the picture because it became imperative for us, important for us to understand why your glucose varies beyond foods. Hmm. Beyond the food respond, response, why does the glucose vary? So if what all is it tracking right now? So the ring tracks uh, sleep, recovery, activity, all those factors that affect your glucose response. And a very, very blunt question, but I, I wear an Apple Watch, right? Yeah. So it also tracks sleep. It also has a heart rate monitor. Yeah. How is it different from, let's say, an Apple Watch? Sure. So uh, this tracks your uh, sleep recovery activity in context of your metabolism. So metabolism, it's a totally... Is, is it connected to the tracker? It is. It's, 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 it's sort of like streamed right? to the same app, Ultra Human, and that's where we integrate your data and give you insights, essentially. Got right? it. Now, what's interesting is that, so when you look at human physiology, you can interpret the data in many ways. You can interpret in terms of saying that, um, for you, um, this data is is something that needs to be optimized for performance. Then the watch will actually give you insights around that you should move more, you should finish your 10,000 steps, this is your view to max range, etc, etc, right? The other range is basically in terms of longevity, which there are not too many companies, but it's an emerging trend. Yeah. Uh, what we optimize for is metabolism. So it's a totally different algorithm, right? So what we expect people to do, for example, is to have movement density throughout the day. Instead of just, so for example, if you wake up and do 10,000 steps and you're sedentary throughout the day, that doesn't make the cut. Um, but if you're uh, active, let's say 2,000 steps in the morning, 3,000 in the afternoon, and maybe you're still very, very active throughout the day, that is actually much more uh, metabolism friendly. Is the overall mission of the company to increase the longevity of, of human life? Is that the mission that, that drives you or is there something else? So we see um, lifespan, healthspan in one essentially, right? Because we believe that um, the definition of life uh, cannot be uh, just uh, basically uh, the fact that you, you're merely surviving. Okay. If you're not healthy and surviving, that doesn't mm. make any, I mean, it's it's still a terrible life, essentially, right? Uh, so it's, in effect, it's health span, to be honest, that we are optimizing for. And, uh, you know, a um, lot of these chronic disorders actually, uh, like diabetes, pre-diabetes, collection of metabolic disorders, compound uh, in a in a massive way as you age, right? Yeah. And it starts compounding further when somebody turns 40 um, and basically then additional factors get added when you turn 50 because then you have musculoskeletal damage to your body, uh, moving is harder, Correct. right? Uh, there's a fall risk, you can't move as fast, you can't do intensive cardio activity. Right. So this age from 30 to 50 really determines, actually specifically 35 to 45, really determines how the next 30 years of your life is, are going to be. Because uh, your your corrective measures that you're going to take from 45 till uh, 75 or 85 are very, very minimal. Like, you'll, you'll always be playing that catch-up game, which is hmm. something went wrong, 
let me fix it. Something went wrong, let me fix it. 35 to 45, most things aren't wrong. And you can prepare. There's a concept in exercise called prehab, which is a really interesting concept. Prehab. So, prehab. What does prehab mean? So prehab means that you actually prepare for an injury, even before it has happened. So what are the common injuries in a sport, for example, right? You say that, oh, if I play tennis, uh, this the, the, most probably I'll have a ligament injury somewhere in my career if I'm going to play for right. a lot, right? And most probably it'll be the MCL. So hmm. how do you prepare your MCL so that you actually avoid the injury for a full And what do you actually time? do to prepare for this? So there are certain set of, uh, you can say, so when you're looking at ligaments, you work on supporting muscles. Hmm. So because you can't really train the ligaments, you train the supporting muscles. And uh, these are custom exercises targeted on those muscle groups essentially. Wow. So you, you predict that these are the five injuries that are very common. Hmm. Out of these, the first, the top three, 85% are these, 90% are these. Just train for those three, you will most probably never be injured. It's a, uh, it's it's the same concept here as well. So uh, nobody's asking you to change your lifestyle, but if you're walking after your meals, adding more proteins to your diet, uh, usually more proteins and fibers to your diet. Right. Um, most probably you will never have a scenario of diabetes ever in your life. Interesting. You know, uh, when we talk about ultra human in the startup context, most people run away from hardware startups. Like it's a nightmare, the supply yeah. chain, and even just getting VCs to believe in you if you are building something in hardware is just really, really tough. Yeah. Um, I want to know why hardware, right? If, if everybody's moving away from hardware, what, what pushed you to do hardware? Why not only stick to software? One of the reasons why we're doing hardware is because this is, we wanted more control over the answer. Okay. Right? And if we restrict ourselves to software and work on third-party wearable data, uh, you could you can't go beyond a certain level of insights, right? Right. So that is the answer from a perspective of why this is required. Why this is required. Uh, the second answer is that if this was my first startup, would I would I have done hardware? The answer most probably would have been no, mm. in this case because uh, I think hardware does require a different level of uh, you can say uh, self belief to some extent. Uh, it is harder uh, <laughs> to a large extent because the speed of iteration is lower, right? You, Correct. I mean, you, you you can't change things overnight. You can't yeah. change things even within weeks sometimes, right? Correct. So, I think... If How much time did it take you to to make the ring? This this was one and a half years in development. And um, this is made in India? This is like completely designed, assembled, manufactured in India. And wow. we source components from outside, like most places, like many places in the world, but... And essentially, this is completely open. And where is the manufacturing facility? Like, how did you set that up? What was the process like? So, obviously, the first manufacturing facility was inside the office, which is micro-manufacturing facility. Right. Because we wanted more control in the process. And then the next one was essentially near to the office. Hmm. Still near to the office, essentially. It's in Bangalore? It's in Bangalore, yes. So, these rings are being manufactured in Bangalore. Absolutely. That's really fascinating. And because... I'm sure hiring for people who can make these products is also very tricky. Yeah. What was that process like? Because we today we talk about today, I saw some company putting a banner for hiring engineers. You know, hiring engineers and this talent is very different from hiring, let's say, people who can actually make this because you require yeah. highly specialized, let's say, actual engineers and not like yeah. uh, what we call ourselves, which is engineers but not doing an engineering job. Yeah. How did that hiring process look like? How, how do you actually start building a product? So we were lucky because we uh, we actually acquired a company in the hardware space oh, nice. called uh, so the name of the company is Lazy Co. Okay. They were building products for lazy people, and uh, <laughs> which is everyone. And uh, the name of the product was Aina A I N A. Okay. It was a smart ring, uh, in fact, which essentially could help you control devices around yourself. So mm -hmm. you could basically run the coffee machine, uh, turn on lights, etc. Et so very very minimal. Is it like a touch enabled ring. Touch enables, you could do motions like you can do swipe on the side. Wow. Right? You can do a PSO, you can press the ring and something will happen. And are there motion controls on this ring as well? Yes, they are. So, I mean, uh, not the PSO one, mm -hmm. but then there are gestures that we are building on top of this. So, they were building payment stack on top of this. You could just so, wave your hand and it'll pay. Oh. All that, right? So, basically, the idea was that what do lazy people require in life, right? They, <laughs> they don't carry wallets, they don't want to carry their phones also, yeah. right? So all of that. So it's becoming more and more minimal uh, in terms of the form factor. And when we, when we spoke to them, uh, there was connect in terms of, like, we are also designing products for lazy people because yeah. lazy means efficiency as well. It doesn't just mean low motivation. It also means efficiency. Correct. Um, and uh, how do we um, build this for the number one use case that lazy people need, which is health? Right? <laughs> and not just controlling devices. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, now that you're talking about your devices, uh, your pricing like really excites me. And at the same time, it 
I question something very fundamental, right? Um, is health inherently expensive or are you building a premium company, right? So, so one part is that health is expensive and you can't get away with that. Or it's a conscious decision that no matter how expensive or cheap it is, irrelevant, you are building a premium company because your communication is very premium. Like anything that you do, right? The I was just talking to Abhilash as well that uh, the fact that you're wearing a t-shirt, the the color palettes, the use of monotone, uh, using the colors carefully, using, you know, uh, empty space. These are all design elements that reflect premiumness. Yeah. And you're very carefully curated that even the ring, the design is amazing. And I feel you've always paid attention to that design. So was it a conscious choice to build a premium company or health hehi manga? If you, to answer that, hmm. uh, let's divide the world into two parts. Okay. Uh, people who can pay for health and people who can't pay for health. Okay. All right. People uh, who can't pay for health, let's assume that they have access to nothing today. Mm. And they can't get outcomes to health, essentially. Let's assume that for a moment, right? People who can pay for health, are they getting outcomes? Mm. You can't buy your health. Correct. To some extent, right? You can't. It should be as easy as buying your health. Eventually, right? Mm. Uh, I know that there's this entire, this around that, no, 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 health is more about, like, basically, uh, it should not be made available to everyone. Why? I mean, there, there are a lot of companies that say that it should be, you should be worthy enough to be healthy. Right? Really? I don't believe in that. I mean, I mean, the metal-headed guys, basically. Interesting, that because I'm hearing for the, I'm hearing it for the first time because most healthy people I know yeah. are actually not wealthy. It's in like, of course, wealth. If you're wealthy, you should be healthy as well. But like, most like capitalistically rich people I know are are the most unhealthy people I know of. If you look at healthy, wealthy, happy, hmm. uh, people have somehow understood over the last few years how wealth works to some extent yeah. and people are still understanding right how micro wealth work how macro wealth works etc right there's a lot of work done there hmm. um, obviously happiness is a very abstract concept but from a health perspective it's not like the wealthiest to your point wealthiest people have it easy yeah right it's not that it becomes much more efficient for them right and this is a fundamental problem like why can't money buy this hmm. which basically means that this is a massive supply problem if even money can't buy this hmm. means that the answer does not exist today okay, correct. right if money would have bought this and the answer existed hmm. people would have ascribed a value to it pay Makes sense. even if you say pay a million dollars and become healthy there are many 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 people in the world i know you know who are going to buy their health for a million dollars right so are you saying because there's no value attached to health that means we don't know whether this is expensive or cheap is that what you say there is no clear definite answer today which basically says that yes you will be 100 percent healthy if you pay x amount of value but from like an objective standpoint, uh, these products are still expensive, right? Now, I'm, I'm not comparing it to, let's say, how how expensive health is, but how expensive like a general lifestyle is. Yeah. Uh, buying this ring is, is not for the masses. Yeah. So I want to know if that's a conscious decision that right now we want to build a premium company, like, like how Apple does it very consciously, you know? Yeah. Or is it that, okay, this product can't be built for cheap? So the, the company view on this is that we want control over building the company for the next... Uh, 45 to 50 years, hmm. uh, given the fact that all the answers that are going to get discovered are going to get, many answers are going to get, get discovered for the next 45 to 50 years hmm. because the era of health and personalized health is coming. So we want Correct. to be there when this gets created. Correct. How do you survive for 50 years? You actually have enough amount of uh, sustainability margin in your business hmm. to actually recreate new products and Correct. to actually create new versions of the new products because this patch and this ring is not the end game for the of company course. as well, right? Uh, if this what's, was what's coming next? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot in the pipeline, but I think this is the next one actually. To be honest, give us give us like a hint of like what's the third product that's coming up. I think the way to imagine that is something that you don't need to do additionally. So, like for example, this is natural wearable, right? It's on your finger, and people have been wearing rings for the last thousand, right. five thousand years essentially, right? Uh, it's not additionally something that you need to do. Like if you buy an exercise bike, you have to exercise on the bike derive value like you can just put this on your finger and if, even if you don't do anything you still derive value to some extent okay right so that's the core principle of uh, that's the core principle of de designing things it should already be in your lifestyle we'll just replace it with a different thing yeah with a different different type so of are glasses watches are these the kind of products that you that you have in the pipeline some of these uh, 
maybe all of these but some of these maybe all of these yeah like what what's, what's the absolute next so give us like a riddle hint like something that we can probably like the smart ones can decode i think the short term to mid term would look like more data from the same variables interesting uh, so uh, the the most i mean there is a there's a really cool one which i want to talk about is let's say the lactate levels for example in your body so this is glucose but eventually this will be able to do your lactate levels as well so lactate very cool. is very interesting because you know uh, a top performing athlete and an unfit person might actually have the same lactate levels why because this person is under recovered because of their lactate levels and this person obviously i mean because of their activity levels this because of their state of health this this unfit person will also have very high uh, basal lactate and the athlete will also have very high basal lactate because they are pushing themselves right now mm. for these two people the protocol is similar for these two people is going to be similar because this person needs a lot of zone 2 activity in their life the other person also needs a lot of zone 2 activity correct zone 2 so, activities so essentially 60 more than 60 uh, less than 60% of your vo2 max that's what zone 2 is defined as uh, the other lay definition could be less than 120 uh, in terms of your heart rate uh, all the activities done within that between you can say 100 to 120 somewhere in that range right i know it's technically inaccurate but then mm-hmm. this is the easiest way to understand this this is damn interesting uh, like now that we're talking about pricing right like we were just browsing through your website and you have this very fascinating road map on your website which is uh, x early bird this early bird and they are like multiple check- usually i've seen like early bird pricing and normal pricing you are yeah. you have like checkpoints yeah. um two questions there right which came to my mind that it makes sense that you know you're trying to generate hype by doing deep discounting probably uh may or may not hit the profit margin of course that i don't know but what i'm trying to understand is even after 2500 pieces shouldn't the economies of scale kick in so is it purely to generate hype or is the product not getting cheaper as the quantities are increasing which it technically should right does get cheaper uh, yeah. i think uh definitely uh, the milestones look like 10000 100 50000 100000 like 3000 5000 10000 because hmm. again uh, it's biosensor hardware so this is this check these checkpoints are purely for hype these checkpoints are purely basically to give value to inter- like first users essentially people who believe first hmm. in the product because these are the people who actually think of it like this right so when the first set of computer personal computers were distributed in 1980s uh all of these folks were called lunatics right correct uh, saying that oh why why do you need a computer you can just go to a lab and do your computing work and come back because all the work correct. done was computing work there was no entertainment on computers right correct there was like people who were using computers were scientists mathematicians uh some of these were architects etc right and uh, people would say that oh but but then why does everyone why why is it an appliance why does everyone need it now it it is an appliance like obviously we need the computers uh, in our lives to do everything and anything at all hmm. i think this we believe that this is going to happen to biosensors in the future given the fact that tracking health will truly personalize health for everyone you will you will not go by marketing narratives uh, i know that you've gotten uh, shashank from whole truth here right yeah so uh, he's trying to do something really interesting which is correct to cut through all the marketing narratives and say that that this is the whole truth this is hmm. what's there you're just saying. having his bars <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and and we are trying to do this, this a similar thing via data and for like uh, for many other things in your lifestyle as well he's trying to solve a very interesting problem in food right. and we are, we are basically trying to understand like how do your lifestyle factors actually affect you purely from a data perspective and then you can decide for yourself you can say that oh uh, was this bar good for me or let's say my conventional wisdom you make you make not just this food but like every food category and every activity that we do very transparent Absolutely. by data even environmental factors so i i was telling somebody yesterday that my glucose variability which is the marker of oxidative stress in the body goes up in a significant way when i actually spend time in delhi uh <laughs> similar food because i totally control my food environment yeah. same food and i've factored for let's say flight travel like i track it after 5 days all those factors same level of dehydration hydration um glucose variability just delhi is just the- it's just another level of uh, air uh, air pollution so correct does air pollution not affect your health hmm. um if we have not done longitudinal studies individually on people we don't know right, right. and the problem is that what do we consume the most air in most cases correct right? and if the, if the fundamental base is not correct then you are going to have problems in your health whatever you do right the makes sense lowest hanging fruit is disrupted you know um i was so so i go to cult 
and i saw that they also released a sensor yeah and what what this the first thought i had in mind is uh, okay so now you know ultraman has accomplished and i and, and i was then i did my research that these sensors have existed for yeah. quite some time um how are you planning to or how rather you have differentiated yourself till now and how are you planning to differentiate yourself in the future so generally what we have seen is that people who associate with us are more of the creative mindset they create usually um, because okay. we are very fast with our iteration routines so for example recently uh, we've launched upgrade which basically helps you measure your recovery with the same sensor so interesting uh it looks at your body temperature and your temperature patterns essentially so right. speed becomes like a very important part of like speed is a big part because so we are we are not just building this like a business but we are building this with people who are using the product correct and, and how many people are like in the ultra human ecosystem right now somewhere around 20000 people who are using the product and, and these are uh, just that or this and that, that combined so this will be just that and then mm. there are approximately 3000 odd people who are purchasing the ring so that's very interesting it's very early days for the ring uh, we've just introduced it to our community first uh, in fact and um, i think uh, there's a there's a kickstarter campaign coming up for the rest of the world very yeah. soon it's very exciting because one of the key differentiators for you uh, as an outsider is is the brand uh, wherever i go you know like ultra human sensor is right now like oh you know must be like doing really well it's really expensive so it's also become a sign of status uh somewhere especially in circles and and that's pretty exciting because when it when it becomes that sign of status you're building a very strong brand because the moment you i slap that logo anywhere even a t-shirt for that matter this t-shirt becomes extremely valuable you know it might not have intrinsic value but it it has extrinsic value the because it has a logo on it yeah. um what has been this brand building journey like is this something that um, you know you are a veteran at because uh, b- before this you were building a very different kind of a company so how did you end up cracking the brand ultra human so the first few thoughts around brand building were to look at uh, the stories of uh, uh, of companies that end up building a brand right and uh, um, there's a lot of narrative out there which is it says that oh if you're if you follow a consistent palette of color then your your brand is visible everywhere yeah uh, if you follow this type of typography your brand is visible i think those are those are things to do hmm. uh but i think for a long time we we were trying to find out what is the common element like uh, uh, apart from these things these are obviously things to be done hmm. uh, but then what is the core element and one thing that we discovered very very clearly was that in all of these companies whichever company you think is a brand it's tesla or uh, basically your apples of the world essentially right the people who are creating the product are extremely passionate about the product right right and who are who are the first set of people who create the product the people who are in the company right so there is this interesting statistic i think a friend of mine was telling me that how many creators do actually use their product <laughs> actually do use their product right interesting and we wanted to optimize first for that metric hence the hence you you and mo just came in wearing all the products <laughs> yeah it's important right because the thing is if it no, is not al- adding value to your life hmm. then how can you actually make it like how would it add value to like millions and millions of other people correct and if it adds value to your life then you can tell the story the right way hmm. because the the most successful story is your own story if it correct. adds value for you because you have the most conviction on that story correct. not somebody else's story that 38% of users got 50% better results that nobody gives a shit what people care about is how did it change your life it's a personal correct. story uh, so we no, started it makes there. a lot of sense um and you know uh, in in this company building journey what what really excites me when i talk to entrepreneurs and even like when i have built so this is like my second company first one just didn't work out for a gazillion reasons and one thing that really excited me is i always had a vision of that yaar this will work for sure you know like you have these preconceived notions that you have to unlearn and then relearn uh, what were some things that you thought would absolutely work for ultra human but they they just failed and never worked at all So saying this in a blunt way I think the uh, the recorded classes coaching model didn't work. Hmm. Uh why did it not work because uh there is external data which says that basically uh, yes all these companies sort of like cap out around 100 200 million dollars in value but right. intrinsically also it's very hard for people to follow somebody else's protocol. Hmm. Uh because I mean, they need a lot of flexibility and data can give right. them that flexibility. So that that was one truth uh in your face saying that <laughs> doesn't work. and throughout like you know from your uh, 
you know early startup days to Zomato to now Ultra Human. If you had to just encapsulate three learnings as an entrepreneur, yeah, we three things seeki and probably the hard way I learned these things. What would those three things be? I think one is uh, build the product for yourself first. First, mm. if you if you don't use your product and you don't find interest in your own product and you don't sort of like uh, drool over your own product, essentially like wake up every morning and see that oh this is amazing, this is a new feature, I am loving this, <laughs> then you are not going to have sustained passion over time. Right. It's a lot of us. Everybody essentially says that oh we are very passionate about our company, but it's very passion is also like a sinusoidal wave, right? and over time right. so what helps you maintain that is if you've created something amazing mm. and for yourself not for somebody else yes there is all that uh, thing you have that, to oh, be in love with your own product first yeah 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 i mean you can create it for the other user and it, truly intrinsically humans don't care about what the other person feels like they, right. they do care to some extent because we are people of community etc but from a survival instinct perspective we first do things that are good for us as right we right. we also do community because we like to do community for ourselves <laughs> right So mm. it's bio, it's human biology, right? It's not behavioral science. Human biology is actually in this. So case. first is build the product first for yourself and and yeah. be in absolute love with it. Yeah, that that I think that is a huge change uh, from let's say the previous startup and the current one. Previous startup we were doing market study and I was totally in love with that as well, which is basically like do market study, understand how why do these stores require logistics and right. what form of logistics do they require, and then build it for them. but then you don't get the product answer instinctively right because you have never right. run a store in your life right or like a physical store right you have to rely on a lot of other stories and not your story absolutely and do you feel like when you're at a beach uh, thinking about life do you feel passionately about somebody's food getting delivered uh, and i'm not saying that the model is bad <laughs> i'm just saying that what do you think more about or do you think about uh, basically uh, i i today think about human biology and my own biology in in some ways and how does my system actually work compared to and i don't really think about like oh for 10000 users this is how it works so that's i'm just saying that this is how the mental shift has happened for myself it's not an advice it's just like something that i feel is helping us uh, or helping me at least right. think clearly what about uh, like 2 and 3 2 and 3 uh, i think the second one would be to uh, build less don't build too many features Uh, interesting uh, and uh, i think the principle that to build one uh, kill one uh, mm. still makes a lot of sense it's not in a literal way mm-hmm. but i think in a very very uh, be focused in your approach yeah it, it takes a lot. so for a sec- this is an advice for a second time entrepreneur mm. second time entrepreneur also has this celebrity pressure right to some extent <laughs> like you're a celebrity kid i mean most i mean i'm not saying that the, the no, entrepreneurs are celebrities yeah, now you don't need to be humble like yeah. it is it is i mean for sure right yeah. because you have Like you've proven something once, now yeah. it's it becomes even harder to fail. It's yeah, you know everything, so correct. this should definitely work. Doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't know anything. Uh, nothing works. So you have to think right. first principles and say that basically I'll do less things. It, it, do you have that fear that yeah, what if I get wrong? It will really hurt the reputation that I've built. Uh, I okay. Uh, that was going to be my third point. Hmm. Uh, but uh, transitioning over to the third point, make personal wealth as fast as possible. right the most successful entrepreneurs in the world are rich people hmm. the, uh, the, the, the 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 story that uh, rags to riches is a bs story right that oh mark zuckerberg didn't have anything all that there are only like hundreds such people in the world there are millions and thousands of like thousands and millions of people who actually had their ground covered already and then they made it big because they were mentally at peace in terms of like what if this goes wrong because yeah. this entrepreneurship game is actually about risk taking capability Correct. and um, if you fail then no repercussions like we are not living in that age where if you don't pay back your debt and you will be caged etc right so Correct. this is why more companies are getting created and if you don't realize it truly the best way to realize it is that you don't care about like earning money for the, at least for the next 2 3 years because you have enough in the bank have backups ready before you take that big bet yes i i think uh, in an emotional way people can say that no no go all in that's a bullshit advice to be honest mm. that sounds uh, good in a motivational speech but yeah. like doesn't sound good in a utility like a utilitarian perspective yeah yeah it's always that david versus goliath view versus underdog view <laughs> etc right that i mean uh, you you should use that you, as a way to say mm. that oh i am a small business and i'll build a big one right? right but when it comes to personal finances the thing is uh, and this is a problem this is a systemic problem right 
that failure is not yet as appreciated as in the US versus yeah. in India, right? <laughs> we don't have repercussions. Like right. companies fail and nothing happens. But then like basically uh, entrepreneurs making enough wealth whenever mm. they can save enough money so that they can take bolder bets, I think is a huge unlock. Makes a lot of sense. You know, we've come almost to the end and we do this like fun bit towards the end where sure. um, like we get really candid. I'm going to say name of like five or six companies and you have to in one line candid thoughts about them so this is like rapid fire right sure. and it it has to come immediately otherwise like we move to the next company right so immediate thoughts one liner about companies that we have time to burn some bridges let's do it cool are you, are you ready yeah okay hell the family uh, good people <laughs> you have started with like a such a diplomatic answer like okay but but like we need like more more meat in the answers okay cred um cool metallic exciting black brand <laughs> okay cult fit uh, too distracted too distracted by juice uh too scammy interesting uh, swiggy very uh, precise very methodical zepto uh very very uh, entrepreneurial and uh, you can say very uh, yeah that's what i would say do you, do you believe in the 10 minute delivery idea as a, as a i believe in the founder you believe in the founder yeah interesting zomato uh survivor ultra human longevity lovely so it's an amazing show so we do this ritual towards the end now i've asked you like a gazillion questions so you, at at the end you ask me one question that probably you want to ask or anything that you want to know what i want to know what i want to know is uh, uh, what is your favorite fitness routine what is my favorite fitness routine yeah i actually i do a lot of strength training now because yeah. i've always been really thin like uh, i'm i'm still very thin but now i'm i'm, I'm more on the fit thin side i was uh but i love running uh i'm running a half marathon in october then again in january uh, just yeah. did a 10k run so i love running i think no routine but i just love to run it it um it makes me the happiest and it has i feel like just just that part of me has got me out of like like really tough situations so uh if i were to choose like one thing for the rest of my life it would be either running or like cycling would be the second one so really i love cool. doing these these activities really cool awesome Super. Thank you so much Mohit. This was great. Thanks for taking out the time to do this. I am sure the audience like they learned a lot from this and the the journey is really fascinating. I'm just very excited to see what you bring on to next. Hopefully like cool classes and and watches which you have like kind of promised on the show. So I'm going to be waiting for those. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thank you.